Hey, if you are here for the first time, so glad to have you with us. Uh, we're closing out a short little series uh, we've done for three weeks now. So we're not going to get to see that funny thing anymore. It's gone bye-bye. Uh, but the whole point of the series, we call it How Matters, was looking at the whole idea. Does the end justify the means? Can you go about it any way you want, as long as you get to the end you want? Or does it matter how you do something? And while we know the truth in life, you can take shortcuts. But the whole point of this series is, if God has told us how, then how matters. If God has told us how, then how matters. And we've been looking at three things that God has told us how. One of them is how we live matters. How we live matters. That was part one. And we talked about having a life filled with Uza moments. And uh, if you don't know what in the world I'm talking about, I'm not going to tell you because I already preached it. It's on our website and on our app. I want to encourage you to go and hear that. And then last week in part two, we talked about how we worship matters. And we learned something very important. How we worship determines what happens when we worship. And it turns out there are three very important things that can happen when we worship. And I'm not going to tell you those either. So if you miss that, you have to go back and get it on our app or on our website. Today, should I just let you guess? What do you think? Fill in the blank. How we what matters. What do you think? Pray, look at that, there you go, somebody's got it. That would be a very important one, how we pray matters. And so let me just go ahead and ask, when you hear the word prayer, what, what comes to mind for you? Uh, we all kind of get feelings for some people, the idea of praying, well, we, we love to pray, but that's only some. For other people, when you think about praying, you, you feel like you don't do it enough. That's a lot of us, right? Then some of us, when you hear the word prayer, we think, I don't do it right, and, well, that would be a lot of us as well. Matter of fact, many of us have maybe even heard a saying, I've preached it. Uh, I didn't come up with it, but I've stolen it and preached it. You've heard it here, and we would probably all agree with it. And it's this one right here. It says, prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. Well, all too often we go, oh, all we can do now is pray. When it should have been, oh, we have something we need, let's pray. We got a problem, let's pray. Uh, whatever the story is, that should be where we go first. But let's be honest. It's not usually where we go first. Why is that? I think it's because many Christians have a bit of a uh, complicated relationship with prayer. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Anybody got complicated relationships in life? Some of us have, I'm glad one person thought that was funny. Some of us have complicated relationships with prayer. We say things like, well, I know I'm supposed to pray, but why pray? God's going to do what God's going to do, so why pray? Other people say, I used to pray, but God never answered it. It didn't work out the way I wanted, and, and so why pray? And it leaves a lot of us feeling either confused or discouraged and sometimes hopeless, and that's baffling. The one thing prayer should do is bring hope into our lives and the idea of prayer leaving us hopeless. Well, I hope I can help us with that today. I, I think the reason that we end up feeling that way is because we're missing some critical hows in what the Bible says about how to pray. And so today I simply want to help you uh, maybe be excited about prayer. Would anybody here enjoy actually liking to pray? Would you, would you prefer to like to pray? Yeah. Would anybody here what, truly believe your prayer works? Like when you pray, do you like, it's done? Wouldn't you love that? Well, I hope I can get us closer to that today. Um, and so as we get started with the message, I am not going to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles. Uh, this is going to be one of those weird messages where I don't have one main passage, but we're going to be all over the Bible today, and you just won't be able to keep up if you're just flipping all the time. So I'm going to encourage you instead, follow along on the screen, but actually take notes. You can dig in a little bit deeper later. Um, and this is also a good time for me to point out the Grace Life app on your phone 
has all the notes, and you just get to fill in the blanks and take them home. So there you go. All right, so follow along, but we're going to start with something Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, and he said, when you pray, you must not. Now, we're going to stop right there, and we'll finish it in a minute, but we're going to just catch the obvious point. Jesus says, if you're going to pray, there are some things you better not do. And so he goes on to give instructions on how we should not pray. And then after he finishes the instructions on how we should not pray, he then gives us instructions on how we should pray. And that model that he gives us, I'm going to call it a model when he says, here's how you should pray, it's what we call the Lord's Prayer. And it's a model for how we should pray. It's not meant to be rote prayer, you just repeat it over and over, but it's got key ingredients that should be in our prayers, and I think he even gives us an order to that. Now, those of you that think that's what I'm about to teach and you're like, oh my gosh, he's done this before. I'm not. I'm not about to teach that. Matter of fact, one more time today, I'm going to recommend you go to our website or app for a message called Pray First, Part 1. I did it in our series Pray First, I believe, in 2022. And that's where I went in depth explaining the model of how to pray through the Lord's Prayer. But I'm not teaching that today. I'm going to assume, first of all, that some of you have maybe heard of the Lord's Prayer and that the rest of you will go home and get that message. What I want to talk about today is the fact that there are many people who know the Lord's Prayer, and yet they still feel their prayers don't work, and they still have a complicated relationship with prayer. So I want to go on to some other things the Bible says, because in addition to what Jesus taught right there, the Bible has a lot to say about how we should pray. And uh, that's what I want to help us with, because it turns out that there are several things that get into our prayer life that actually cause our prayers to be ineffective? Wouldn't you love to know what those are? I mean, if there are things that are causing your prayers to be ineffective, wouldn't you love to know what that is? I hope. Good, because otherwise <laughs> you're about to be disappointed because that's what I'm going to talk to you about. And so uh, before I go any further, let me just point this out. As I sat down to research for this week and I made a list of everything I could find in Scripture about how we should pray or how we should not pray, uh, the list was too long for one message. And since uh, Christmas is next week, I decided not to start a whole new series. So what I felt I could do is highlight the five, five of them, uh, that I think affect us more and are more common uh, problems for us. So I'm going to give you these five. Again, it's not everything the Bible has to say, but I think it's five that will help you tremendously with your relationship with prayer. The first one, you can probably guess, not going to start off complicated, but the first one is we pray with faith. We pray with faith. Think about this. We believe in God, and yet we can't prove he exists. We believe his word. We believe he's good. We believe Jesus died and rose, and not a one of us was there to witness it 2,000 years ago. All of what we believe is by faith. And so obviously, when we come to a God that we believe uh, exists in faith, we're going to have to talk to him in faith. We're going to have to ask him to do things in faith. It all must be in faith that God actually hears us, and he'll actually answer our prayers. It's got to be in faith. Let me share with you a story of Jesus explaining how important this is. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, Jesus is who they're talking to. Look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. We're not covering the whole part of the story of why Jesus was upset with the tree. But anyway, he goes on. Jesus responds, have faith in God. I mean, think about that. Jesus just killed a tree, and his response is have faith in God. 
I just tell you that, man, if you read the Bible with a sense of humor, God's amazing. And he, he explains, because truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. I do not know a human. I have never met a human that doesn't struggle with what Jesus just said. I struggle with it until I did some research this week. Because if we take that the way that it seems to be spoken, I'd like to dare anyone right now to come join me on stage and in faith tell this stage to go jump in the ocean and we're all gonna watch and see if it happened. Does anybody have faith? You can make this stage move to the ocean. It seems like Jesus is promoting spiritual telekinesis, a whole new idea. Y'all with me? Here's the point. The reason we struggle with this teaching and the whole idea of praying in faith is because, well, we don't understand what Jesus just said because we're not Jewish from 2,000 years ago. We take the idea of telling a specific mountain upon the earth to go somewhere. But actually, as Jesus was walking along up the Mount of Olives, and he had cursed a tree that was not bearing fruit the day before. They were surprised that he had power over the natural. He says, have faith in God. What does he mean by that? Have faith in God who created simply by speaking. Have faith in God who is above the natural laws. Because to a Jewish person 2,000 years ago, they understood the metaphor that moving a mountain meant you could do the impossible. Actually, much like we would use it today. But we take what Jesus said so literally there. What Jesus really was saying is if you have faith in a miracle-working, all-powerful God whose name is El Shaddai, then you also can believe that God to do impossible things when you ask him. He can do impossible. You can't cure cancer, but he can. You can't solve that problem if it's not in your human resources or power, but he can. Just because you've hit a wall in the natural realm and says there's no way you can go further, don't believe God is stuck. You may be stuck as a human, he is not. And that's what Jesus was trying to say to them because they could not believe that a tree died that quickly, immediately. You couldn't have done that with Roundup and diesel fuel. And so they're saying, wait a minute. What just happened here supersedes the natural. And Jesus is saying, have faith in God and gives them the metaphor that God can do the impossible. Having faith in God, when I say we need to pray in faith, it doesn't mean that you come up with your idea of some demand and you put that demand on God. Having faith means based on who God is, he can do what you can't. So how we pray matters, and we must pray in faith. That's the first one. Second one is we pray with trust. We pray with trust. You see, we trust that God's will is perfect. We trust that since God is not our magic genie just granting all our wishes as he popped out of the bottle, we trust God's answers to our prayers. Sometimes, yes. Sometimes, no. And sometimes, not yet. We don't always like some of those answers, do we? So how do you trust God when he's not answering the way you want? Well, scripture tells us this. This is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. If you ask according to his will, he hears you. 
And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Now, I'm going to point out the obvious. Y'all know me by now. This is how I preach. I was the cynical, critical kid in school, and I know what you're always thinking. But it sounds like these two are contradictory. The idea of praying with faith, many people would say, is the opposite of praying with trust. Pray with faith. I'm supposed to, to believe anything I ask for. That's, that's faith. But God's only going to answer something if it's his will. That's trust. So I can't really ask for anything, which was what faith was all. Are y'all following me? Because I've been a pastor long enough, people come to me and say, Pastor, you got to explain this. Well, the dilemma is actually simpler than that. And let me promise you, these two are not contradictory at all. See, the idea, let's start with an example. Let's say you need a job. The idea of praying with faith is not demanding that God give you this job that you're walking into an interview for at this moment. But that's how we pray, and we believe that's faith. Oh, God, please give me this job as I interview for it right now. It's the perfect job for me. I have faith. Well, the problem is that's a demand, and it's a magic genie request. But that's not the way that works. A better prayer that includes both faith and trust is to say something like, God, I know you will take care of me because I have faith in you as a good God and I know you will provide. I have faith in that. And I trust you to give me the right job, the perfect job. And I'm about to interview for one and it looks good to me, but you know better than me because you know what company will go bankrupt in a year. You know things I don't know. You know, and I can keep filling in the blanks. You see, trust is saying, God, I, I, I know that you're going to answer this prayer the right way. And faith is saying, God, I know that you will, you will answer prayer. But we, for too long, in my opinion, and it's maybe because there is some errant theology and some movements in our world that say you can name it and then you can claim it, and that's faith. I don't know that that's what that means. I don't preach it that way. That'll tell you a little something about what I think. And the truth is, this works for anything we need or want. Too often, we, we pray like this. God, give me this house. We go house shopping. We walk in with the realtor. We go, oh, this is it. God, give me this house. But again, God knows what's going to happen in that neighborhood a year from now. Maybe it'd be better that our faith prayer and our trust prayers are combined. God, would you give me the right house? This one's pretty, but I don't know what's in the foundation. I don't know what's in the walls. You know, funny thing, just a funny story. It's not in my notes, but just while I'm thinking about that, sometimes you don't know what happened in your house before you got there. And so I had a pressure washer guy come to pressure wash my house. And after he pressure washes the house and we talk about what I do for a living, he said, so, um, Pastor, I just kind of got a question. You lived here long. I said, uh, well, we bought it a few years ago, but you know, it's, it's older than that. So no, there's other people been here. And he said, oh, okay, I understand now. He said, because you know, the, the color in, in your soffit thing up there, uh, the only time we ever see that is when it's a grow house. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Uh, marijuana plants in the, in the attic. I said, if you'd like to check the attic before you come to church, I just want you to know it's not a grow house now, bro. So, uh, but we walk into a house. God, give me this house. We have no idea. What'd be better is faith. God, I know you're going to give me a house as we shop. We, we've done the right thing and we need a place for our kids. And 
whatever. God, you know the schools my kids need to go to. God, you know the neighbors that I need to invite to church. So God, I have faith you're going to give me the right house, and I trust the one that you give me. The idea that praying with faith and praying with trust are contradictory. And I've actually had pastors say that. I've, I've been in prayer meetings where a pastor rebuked someone as they're saying, well, God, if it's your will. And they, they stop and like, no, 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 we don't do that. We, we pray in faith. Listen, they don't contradict each other. They don't contradict each other to say that God, have faith. You are all powerful, miracle working, and you know better than me. And I trust you to do the right thing because you know stuff I don't. And can I leave you with a challenging question? Have you ever been frustrated that you prayed for something and God didn't give it to you and you were frustrated? Come on, can you be honest with me? At least once in your life. You prayed for something, you didn't get it, and you were frustrated. How long did you stay frustrated? Think about this. Every minute that you stayed frustrated was a minute that you were saying, I wanted to live outside of God's will. Think about that. Because if we know that God answers prayer according to what's best and according to his will, we should only be disappointed for the half a second it takes us to go, oh, God's got something better. But the longer we stay frustrated over not getting what we asked for the way we asked for it means that we actually are upset we don't get to live outside of God's will. Who wants to live outside of God's will? Hopefully nobody here today. So how we pray matters and we must pray with trust. And that leads us to number three, everybody. The third one, we pray with perseverance. We pray with perseverance. And uh, I'll just tell myself, sadly, more times than I can count in my own life, I've asked God for something for a few days in a row. And then I quit. And it wasn't because it wasn't important or because I changed my mind. I'm just like, I guess, little ADD when I pray. You know, ooh, squirrel, you know, shiny thing. <laughs> and new, new problems arise. So you start asking God to solve those and new things come up and you just get distracted. And the truth is sometimes things just absolutely fall off the radar. And something I, I was determined I was going to pray for every day until it came and I figured it would be a couple of years. I make it three days. And then maybe a month later, I'm like, oh, I haven't prayed for that thing. Here's what Jesus says about it, Luke 18. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable. That's a story. To show them that they should always pray and not give up. You have to persevere. You have to keep asking. You can't quit after three days. They should always pray and not give up. And he gave them this illustration. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so she won't eventually come and attack me. <laughs> that must have been a crazy old lady. I just going to tell you. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Jesus didn't say, to those who cry out to him once or maybe even twice, but day and night. I'm going to recommend to you an age-old practice on prayer that a lot of us don't do because our parents and our grandparents did it, and it sounds too religious for us, but I encourage you to 
pray with a list, a list of things you need. Unless you're smarter than everybody else, that's fine. But then that means you just pray according to the list that you actually have in your head. The rest of us just need to write it down, okay? Can we just be humble? You need to write down the list because if you're like me, after three days, squirrel, you know, I mean, you need to remember what's on the, God, what do I, what's important to me? And so in my journal, the first page of my journal, and I use a, a digital journal, and so every year I copy and paste whatever, whatever was my prayer list on December 31st is the same one for January 1st. Now, it changes throughout the year as God answers prayer, but I have a list. It's the very first thing in my journal, and it's about two pages of just what I have to pray through every single day. And some of it is stuff that'll never get answered this side of heaven because it is what I want God to fulfill in my life, and as long as I'm breathing, I'm gonna have to keep asking. You know what I'm saying? So I've got some things for me. I've got some things for my family. I've got a list of each of my kids and things that I feel God told me to pray for that kid specifically, specific words. And so I've got things for each of them. I've got circumstances in my family. I've got a list for Grace Life. I've got a list of people at Grace Life that I feel God's got me praying for them for certain things in this season. And, and I have to have that list because I'm not smart enough to remember it all. And I need that list. And I'm gonna tell you, God answers if we keep knocking, if we keep knocking. I have something that is, it's pretty big that I've been asking God for. And um, it, it, it's something that's, well, it's big. I'm just gonna leave it at that. And, and so I, I asked God daily for a little while and I forgot and asked God a little bit again. And, and this past week, God reminded me as I'm getting closer to the time where I need that prayer fulfilled that I haven't been demanding and, and asking Every day, I haven't been knocking. And so one day this week, I came into my office and just said, God, I'm sorry, I have not been asking you for that. And I intentionally started walking around in my office. I've got a little, little rug and a little table, and I, I wear that thing. I, kinda, I pace. And, uh, and I prayed for that. Sincerely. And that day, that prayer was answered. And this is a big, I'll have to tell you the story later. It'll be a cool testimony for later. I, I can't share it yet. But it was big. If y'all just, just going to have to trust me on that one. The point is it was impossible. Something I could have never done and something that it would take God to move on someone else's heart and as well as to move on natural things. And God did it because I continued to ask again and again. Parents, look, kids are always asking for stuff, right? They're always asking for stuff. And you know they don't need it all. So you're a bad parent if you give it all to them. And you also know if they ask for it today, they may not ask for it ever again. And so a good parent learns from God. And you actually wait until the one asking shows that it matters. I can already tell you that I shouldn't do this because my kids will all hear this all week and long. But if they ask for something once, I don't even listen. I don't even listen the first time. If they don't keep asking, it doesn't actually matter to them. It's not important. And so how we pray matters, and we must pray with perseverance. We must pray with perseverance. Now, as important as those three are, I think the one that causes us the most problems and keeps many of our prayers from getting answered is the next one. So pay attention to this one. The fourth one is we pray with clean hearts. We pray with clean hearts. Now, some of you want to object right now because you want to talk about the grace of God and Jesus covered it all, so that shouldn't matter. But you just need to hold on because let me show you what the Bible says. So here's the problem we have. We're all sinners, right? Come on, we all know we're all sinners. We're all easily offended. 
We're all easily frustrated, both with people and even with God sometimes. And so in my experience as a pastor, when I talk to people and they're frustrated about prayers and frustrated about life, I think this one shows up more than anything. Because the truth is, when we go to God and pray and our prayers aren't working, we're actually just arrogant about our own sins. At the very least, maybe we're just not aware. We, we, we don't really take stock in the ungodliness that's in us and take time to own it before we ask God to do all kinds of other things in our lives. And so the problem is we come before God and we want him to deal with us according to our prayer request, but God deals with us according to our hearts. And that becomes a problem with getting your prayers answered. And if y'all think I am preaching wacky stuff, let me show you what the Bible says. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. Whenever you are praying, make sure your heart is clean towards other people. Forgive. Because if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven may also forgive you. So let me just hit the highlight there. Whenever you are praying, forgive so that. There's a so that. If you come with a hard heart, an unforgiving, bitter heart towards other Christians, when you've been forgiving with anything, or not even just Christians, but towards other people, and you are, as a Christian, been forgiving, been forgiven for everything, God's like, sorry, disconnect. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way so that your prayers may not be hindered. Look, here's the reality. Our prayers can be hindered if our hearts aren't clean. I just showed you two verses, and I could show you more, but I wanted to keep this sermon to not last more than an hour. Actually, Scripture tells us that when we have clean lives and clean hearts, our prayers are more powerful and more effective. And I know, I'm seeing it right now on the looks of some of your faces because we get so into, well, I'm forgiven and the grace of God washes over all. We actually don't think sometimes that these things matter because... The grace of God covers all. But listen, you got to go with this. James 5 tells us the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The, power, the prayer of a righteous person, not the prayer of just anybody, but of a righteous person. And so there are two aspects to this you need to understand. Very, very important. First one, righteous means right with God legally. We're all sinners and our sins have to be dealt with. Now, unless you are truly the first and only perfect human ever, then you need Jesus. Jesus lived a perfect life because he was fully God and fully man. You don't get that. Jesus died on the cross in our place. He is, his blood shed, his body broken, pays for our sins. If you have asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, to forgive you for your sins, you are righteous. You are right with God. But this also especially in this context, means not only right eternally, but right daily. Right by how you live, living according to God's ways, fulfilling his word in our hearts. And don't miss the point here. We tend to think this idea of being righteous in our life is about our actions only, but God seems to think it's about our heart mostly because your actions come out of your heart. And so if we could get back to the point, I just wanted to explain the whole righteous thing. It's, it's not just that you're forgiven and going to heaven. That is righteous. But we're talking about righteous before God and righteous living daily. Are y'all with me? So back to the point, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Why? 
because God is attentive. Here's what scripture says in 1 Peter. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears open to their prayer. You can't contradict. That's black and white in scripture. His eyes are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. In other words, who are not righteous in their living. This is so, so important. First, you need to catch this. God is attentive to the righteous person. But also, the righteous person is worthy of God's favor. I need you to hear this because a lot of you, I think, are struggling. We, we, we go to church all too often and just hear how much God loves us and we're forgiven. And you get confused if a pastor stands up and says that we can bring a worthiness before God. But follow me, follow me, because I promise this is in the Bible. The, the idea that I'm trying to explain here is God's love for you is based on him. God's love for you is unconditional. If you have ever asked God to love you, if you've prayed for love, you've wasted your breath. He loves you. He can't love you anymore. He loved you so much when you were a sinner he sent his son Jesus to die for you before you repented. Are you with me? He can't love you anymore. That's not a prayer you ever need to pray. So my point is this. When we pray, we're not asking for God's love. We're actually asking for favor and blessing. Every prayer you've ever prayed is asking for favor and blessing. Here's the problem with favor and blessings. They're not unconditional. There is not one thing in scripture that says you can live any way you want and you can thumb your nose to God and he will bless you and pour out favor. It's not in the Bible. Favor and blessings come from right living with God. Every prayer that we lift up is asking for some sort of favor and some sort of blessing. Now I have good news for you because you may say, oh my goodness, well I'm a sinner and I'm not perfect and so God's never gonna answer a prayer. Well God gives us the answer to that. It's actually the first part of the verse. I left it out on purpose a minute ago. When we read the part that says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, and you're going, oh my gosh, how do I get there? The first part of the prayer says this. Therefore, sorry, the first part of the verse. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Your soul is healed. Your soul is cleansed. And now the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So here's the deal. Number one, if you need to be righteous by the blood of Jesus, if you need to ask Jesus to be your savior, if you need to get right with God so that you can be a righteous person, I'm gonna help you with that before we're done. But second of all, for those of you who may say, well, I, I know Jesus is my Lord, I'm going to heaven, but I want God to answer my prayers. Well, then that means you need to do what that verse says, confess your sins and pray for one another. And this is really important for you to understand. That's why the body of believers is so important. We need to be able to come to somebody else and say, hey, look, I, I need you to pray for me and pray with me. We need to come and we need to confess our sins. And let me just help everybody with that because we got a prayer team that's always here at the stage at the end of every service. When, when he, the Bible's telling us to confess our sins, it doesn't mean you have to confess every detail. They don't need to know all that necessarily. God already knows the details. The point is to acknowledge before God, God, I have not been perfectly holy. God, there is something in me that still offends you, and I, I acknowledge that before I ask for your favor. 
And now I'm asking my friend, now is gonna pray for healing for my soul and pray for cleansing so that I can come before you as someone who is humbly righteous by your grace and humbly righteous by the blood of Jesus and say, God, I need your favor. I need this job. I need this house. I need you to move in my life. I need healing from this disease. I need a miracle. I need, God, I know it's favor and it's blessing, but I confess to you. Are y'all with me? Are you following that? See, you wouldn't need to, to be right to pray for God's love, but you don't need to pray for God's love because you've already got it. But our prayers are asking for things that are favor and blessings. Confess, change, behold in your soul so that then you can come before God as a righteous person. How we pray matters, and we must pray with clean hearts. And the last one is pray with sincerity. Pray with sincerity. You know, sometimes we're afraid to pray out loud in front of others. Why is that? It's real simple. Because you want to impress others. You want to impress people. And sometimes people pray out loud just to impress others. And Jesus tells us this is a problem. He says, when you pray, you must not. You must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. And truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. <laughs> their prayers aren't getting answered. I'll tell you why in a minute, because they're not prayers. Hold on to that thought. He says, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who's in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Then he turns to another group of people. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think they'll be heard for their many words, their elaborate speech. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So fancy words and manipulative phrases don't get you anything. Your father knows what you need, and he's a father. He'll take care of you. Jesus' point is simple. Don't pray as a way of showing off and trying to sound religious. Now, this whole section of Jesus' teaching here, it's from the Sermon on the Mount. And the whole thing, he's going to go and talk about other stuff. And all of it, he says, don't try to put your righteousness out for other people to see. Don't try to appear righteous by the way you act. And he does a whole teaching on it. What he's really saying is if you're praying publicly to show off, it's not really a prayer anyway. It's a performance. That's why Jesus told them, look, they've already got their reward. People were impressed with them. They did a good performance and people say, man, you are such a good prayer. That was it because it wasn't really a prayer to God. It was a performance before man. Now, some of you would say, well, Jimmy, I don't know why you're really talking about that because we don't try to show off like the Pharisees and all those folks. Well, for us, it happens in another way. See, we need to understand prayer is not a performance. It's not out loud, nor when you're in private. Prayer is a conversation with God. And just like Jesus was explaining, the Gentiles can't fool God, the hypocrites can't fool God, you need to know that even when you're in private talking to God, you can't fool God. He knows. He knows your heart. He knows your heart better than you do. He knows if it's clean. He knows your level of faith. He knows your level of trust. You can put on an act for people, but not for God. You can even convince yourself but you haven't convinced God. You have to pray 
with sincerity. And that means coming before God, the real you. The real you. Hey God, you know that I'm still mad at this person. Hey God, you know I'm struggling with that. Hey God, you know I, I asked for that and, and it didn't happen that way and so I'm gonna struggle a little bit with trusting you. Hey God. Humble, honest, be sincere. I think sometimes we even try to, even in private, we try to talk God into, try to convince him. We try to use big words. We try to tell God how bad it is, how much we really need him to move. Look, God sees, and you can't fool God. So we must pray with sincerity. So there's your five. How you pray matters. Pray with faith. Pray with trust. Pray with perseverance. Pray with clean hearts. And pray with sincerity. My hope today is that these five have shown you something that maybe you weren't really aware of. Or at least it wasn't highlighted enough to get your attention. Because I want you to love talking to your God. And I want you to know that he hears you. And I want you to know that you can depend on him to hear you and to answer, to do the impossible in your life, for your prayers to be powerful and effective. So if you don't remember all five, I'm trusting the Holy Spirit illuminated one of them to you. One above all that says, you know, if my prayers aren't working, that's probably the reason. And I hope that brings about some change because you have a loving Father in heaven who does hear his children. And how you pray matters. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you that you do hear. It's not something that we deserved. Even the idea that you, you turn your face towards us and you hear the prayers of your children because you love us and you want to bless us. God, that's all you. It's all your goodness. And we thank you that you made a way for us to come confidently before your throne because of Jesus and what he has done for us. So today, God, we just say thank you. And God, I, I pray for everybody here that, that they were touched in their heart by the Holy Spirit for at least one of these things. And they now will have greater confidence in their prayer as they fulfill what scripture has said as we come before you. You just stay in a place of prayer. I want to speak to those of you. I, I told you I'd come back to this. For those of you that need to be righteous, you need to be right with God. You need to spend eternity with him. And right now you're not sure that that's what would happen. Here's the, I've, I've explained it, but I'm going to just repeat it real quick. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, is what Christmas is all about. Him coming to the earth. He lived a perfect life and then was crucified. So when his body was broken and his blood was shed on the cross, it could pay for sin, but he had none of his own. And that is how he has saved you and me. He pays for our sins. And then by the same power that raised him from the dead, you and I can have eternal life. This is what we call the free gift of salvation, being made right with our God. But it's a gift you have to receive. And if you never have, I wanna help you do that right now. Simply have a conversation between yourself and God say something like this. Lord Jesus, 
I thank you that you died for me. And now I choose to live for you. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that I'm forgiven. In my prayer here today, would you fill me with your spirit and give me a life of great meaning in your kingdom. Amen, everybody. Would you help me celebrate with them?